Hey, hey. Good to see you today. So glad that you're each here. Uh, if, you're, if you're new with us at Centerpoint, welcome. My name is John. I'm glad to say hey to you. I've been out for a couple weeks uh, uh, on a little bit of a trip and yeah, still feeling the Aloha vibe. So I just felt like, you know, you, if you know me, you're, you're like, you're usually like a gray shirt guy. And that would be true, except for when I just came back from vacation. So anyway, I'm glad you're here. Today I'm kicking off a new series called First. And this series is uh, an opportunity for you and I to get some of God's wisdom about what we need to put first in our lives so that we can experience a strengthening of our faith and everything else that follows. So that's what this series is about, and you came for day one of it. And if, uh, if you are new with us, I would encourage you to stick with me for the four weeks of this series, especially if you uh, are new to being a part of the life of the body of Christ, of church, it, because it's, it's something that is going to build one week after the next. And so stick with me for these four weeks and see what God might do in your life as you make a simple commitment like sticking with something for a month. But anyway, so first begins today. Uh, a couple of months ago, we had a moment at home where we needed, to, uh, we needed to do right by one of our kids. And what I mean by that is that when we moved into the house that we, that we live in uh, four and a half years ago, at that time, one of our kids had to get the small bedroom. And, uh, and so the, the, the most easygoing of our kids got the tiniest of all of the bedrooms. And he went along with it, and he was a good sport about it. But it doesn't make as much sense four years later when he's two or three inches taller than me for that human to be in the tiniest room. And so a couple of months ago, we kind of had a wake-up call like, hey, we need to do right by our son. And so we were trying to think about what we would do, and, and we were looking at, at his bedroom, and his bedroom is kind of over here, and then in the middle there's the loft here that's open. And, and we thought, you know what, what if we tore down that wall and then moved that wall and put it here, and then his room would be like twice the size. And uh, it seemed like a good idea, and I was feeling pretty enthusiastic about it, so I'm like, let's get the tools, let's do this thing. And before I knew it, and before anyone knew it, really, we were happy at that thing. It was full tilt demo day and we're just going at this wall with sledgehammers. So it started out looking like this and uh, was, you know, a nice regular wall with the open loft there. There's his little door, but we just started pulling out the drywall, tearing it down, pulling off the things till it was all the way down to the studs. And, and then I found, oh, there's a pipe there. I guess we're not moving that little part of the wall. And then we started bringing out the drywall from the other side, tore down to the studs. And then before we knew it, we're ripping the studs out. And after that, the room was completely open opened up and we're standing back like looking at and admiring our sweaty work and just feeling really good about what we had just done together, father and son. But then I had this nagging thought in the back of my mind. And the nagging thought was, I wonder if I should have been getting a permit for the work I just did. <laughs> yeah. I probably should have thought about that first. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have thought about that first. But anyway, I went down to City Hall, stood at the counter, and uh, I, you know, I said to the guy at the counter, I was like, listen, so um, hypothetically speaking, uh, if, if I were to have a non-load-bearing wall I wanted to get rid of and, and just kind of move that over there, I mean, just theoretically, right, like, I wouldn't need a permit for that kind of thing, right? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, sir, absolutely, you would need a permit for that kind of thing. <laughs> and he's like, you're going to need to get some plans drawn up. You're going to need to submit the plans. And I'm, I'm like, you know, tr trouble about all of this. And I go home, and I'm doing some research, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading about code requirements. I'm downloading free trial versions of auto CAD, seeing if I can draw up some plans for myself, and, and since I already did half of the work, and I, uh, I, put, the, I put the plans together, and I, and I did submit, but, but for, you know, for, for almost six weeks now, we've been just waiting, because uh, they said it would take 15 to 20 days, and then we were on a trip, and, and so for 15 to 20 days, the house has been like a mess with this torn out wall, and this uh, dust, and boards, and exposed things all over the place. All because I didn't get first things first. And, and in this message series, I want to ask us to, to think together about getting things in the right order, about getting the number one things right. And, and really what I'm asking you to do is to join me in praying what the scriptures call us to pray. And there's a simple prayer that, uh, that is in Psalm 90 verse 12, and it just simply says, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. 
And I want you to pray that with me right now. I want you to pray it with me right from the screen. Ready, go. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. One more time. Close your eyes and say it if you know it. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is important. Like actually asking God to help us number our days. And if you number something, what you are doing is you're making a determination about value and sequence. And so when you're asking God, teach me to number my days, you're asking God, God, help me to make a right determination of value and sequence for what I'm doing with the most precious commodity that you have given me, which is time. Because time is like water. You can either direct it in a purposeful way and see what a deep impact it could make, or you could just let it go wherever and it evaporates. And you'll look back after 10 years and wonder, man, what even happened? Did I even do anything meaningful? And I don't want that for us. I want us to actually pray, God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And then I want us to step up in our lives to do what we can to make the most of the time that we've been given. And, and, and the truth is from the scriptures, and I'll just take you into uh, Ecclesiastes for a moment. There, there's a time for everything. That's literally what the Bible says. And I want us to realize that together. So you could look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3 with me for just a moment. But this is what God's word says. God speaks through Ecclesiastes and says, there is a time for everything. Just say that first line out loud with me. Say it. There is a time for everything. There is. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down that wall between your son's room and the one that he should have. There's a time to, to rebuild. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. There's a time for everything. That's what the scriptures have clearly said. There is a time for everything. But not everything should be given the same amount of time. Because not everything has the same value. And if you are numbering your days and gaining a heart of wisdom, you're gaining an appreciation for this simple fact that your life is made up of moments and not all moments are created equal. Like, for example, some of the moments that we live through are routine, everyday kinds of moments. Like the moment where you're standing in front of your mirror, foggy-eyed in the morning and brushing your teeth. And that, that moment that you're just kind of standing at the kitchen sink after dinner doing the dishes. Like, routine, everyday moments. Those are some of the moments that we have that make up our lives. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's those moments that take our breath away. Like, like the moment that, that we're taking that cap and tassel off and throwing it in the air on graduation day or that moment that we're standing at that altar making those, those promises to one another or that moment where we step off an airplane in a foreign country for the first time in our lives, like these moments that are so much larger than life, so to speak, and take our breath away. But, but most of us realize, right, that, that our lives aren't necessarily made up of those or those, but a lot of our lives are made up of what's in the middle. Moments that if we're not careful, we can miss the value of. And my message today is simply this, is to make room for what matters so that you can make the most of your life. Make room for what matters to make the most of your life. I want you to say this out loud with me. Ready, say it. Make room for what matters to make the most of your life. One more time, say it. Make room for what matters to make the most of your life. 
This is what I think God is inviting us to do through the scriptures that I'm sharing today. Is that we get to be invited to learn to make the most of what matters. And to make a decision about, about what we recognize as having more value. So I want to share with you a simple tool that might be helpful to somebody, both in terms of work life or even personal life. And it goes back to President Dwight Eisenhower, 34th president. And, and he put forth this simple idea that we ought to think about our lives in terms of what we're doing with our time, whether we are dealing with just the things that are urgent or whether we're giving attention to what's important. And so there's this idea called the Eisenhower Matrix uh, that was put forward. It got uh, a little bit popular back in, in the mid-2000s when a couple of books came out. But I want you to just think about this with me for a minute, the Eisenhower Matrix. And uh, it, it's kind of like this. We'll put, a, put up a, a picture on the screen to help you get a visual of it. But if you can imagine four quadrants, right, and, and you're thinking about what you're doing, where you're going, how you're using your time in terms of urgency and importance, and if you could think about that for the next few minutes with me, it, it might be helpful. So uh, that first category is, are things that are urgent and important. And those are things like a crisis that happens or a deadline that you've got to hit because of your work, which is part of your livelihood. And so those are things that are urgent and important. Those are things that need immediate attention. Uh, and when you have something that's in quadrant one, here's what you do. You do it. You do it now. You do as much of it as you can. You do it as well as you can. That's what you should do if you're dealing with something in quadrant one. Some of those things uh, happen by your own choice. Sometimes they just happen because something went down in your life and you didn't get to choose anything about it. Like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had the U family staying at our house and uh, a couple of their friends also staying with us. And so we had 11 people in our house. And all of a sudden on that Saturday night, the kitchen sink just clogged up completely and the garbage disposal wasn't working. And I had more meaningful things I was hoping to do with my time. But suddenly that was urgent and important. And, and before I knew it, I'm up, upside down underneath my kitchen sink just going, why? Why? You know, <laughs> sometimes the quadrant one things are a bit like that. They're urgent, they're important, and you just need to do them, do them fast. But the quadrant two stuff is where I really hope that we'll focus today. Because the quadrant two kinds of things are, are important, but they're not necessarily urgent. These are things like investing in relationships. These are things like your own personal development, your own personal health, the things that are life-giving to you, your greatest work contribution, your greatest family contribution, those kinds of things. But what ends up happening is that we end up in a mode where we're in reactivity, where we spend so much of our time reacting to what is urgent rather than responding to the opportunity to recognize what is most important and give our highest and best there. That's what we've got to ask God to give us the grace and strength to do. Because the urgent will always demand our attention, but the important is what we really gain the most from. And so... When we can, we need to recognize what is important and do it regularly. Do it bit by bit. Do it on the calendar by planning it. Okay, so a silly example. Uh, this past week, one day, I had a, a, an early morning meeting with Pastor Rick. And I was there, you know, waiting for him in the church office. And, and he came, like, just about a minute late. But he was running down the hallway, ran into my office. And he was, uh, he was all sweaty. Like, really, like, fully sweaty. And I'm like, oh, Yay, I'm glad you're here. What's, what's up? And he explained. He's like, well, I, uh, I, I just uh, was meeting Christopher, who's an, another guy who's part of our team, works with us. Uh, met him to, uh, uh, to hit some golf balls at the driving range before work today. And when he shared that with me, it's such a simple thing, right? But, but listen, I stood up out of my chair and I literally started clapping for him and shouting, yes, yes. Why? Why? Because these are two grown men with lots of urgent things to do but they had made a priority. They had put building that relationship 
first. And they had planned it, and they had put it on the calendar, and then they were doing it. And which do you think is going to bring better life to this church body in the long run? Just tending to everything that's urgent or investing in the long-term health of a healthy relationship with each other. And and this is what you and I have got to do. We've got to do it with our wives and husbands. We've got to do it with our kids. We've got to do it with our parents. We've got to build in to our life opportunities deliberately and intentionally to pour into the the category two kinds of things because those are going to be what brings us the most meaning. Those are going to be the things when 10 years goes by, you look back and you go, thank you, God, for the richness that I've experienced because I made it a point to seize the opportunity to recognize what is important rather than just reacting to what is urgent. So God help us. God help us. The third category on this matrix are the things that are urgent but not important. Uh, things in the category that are urgent, not important, I would say, you know, busy work, uh, routine emails, and red dots of all kinds. I'm talking about every red dot pops up on your phone, pops up on your laptop, and takes you off of giving your attention to what's highest and best and puts your attention onto meaninglessness. And when you find yourself uh, being distracted by things that are urgent, not important, you need to deal with it. And you can deal with it by delegating it. There may be someone else could do it. Or, or, or you deal with it by delaying it until an appropriate time. Yeah. Like, for example, for me personally, uh, what this looks like on a practical level is I've got a habit, which is on my phone or watch or my computer, I put those devices almost all the time on do not disturb. I just do. And I know it probably irritates some people that are trying to hear back from me, like, instantaneously. But I just sometimes need to hit the pause button on the insanity of too much incoming meaninglessness and and get to it when it's appropriate for me. And so that means the call doesn't come through and I don't answer it. And and then that's that's good for me unless it was a call from my wife, in which case it's a little bit difficult. They need to come up with a technology that can put everything else on do not disturb, but not the call from my wife. Anyway. This is something I would suggest to somebody. I mean, you might be that person and you don't even recognize it, but you're sitting there in in a moment with someone at a lunch or dinner and you're constantly like, yeah, uh uh-huh. You ever have that experience? You're trying to have a meaningful interaction with someone and they're constantly distracted by a a silly red dot. What do you think matters more? That red dot or the real-time interaction with you? If you are that person, stop it. Stop it. And I'm not looking at anyone in particular right now. I'm just saying, like generally to the people out there in the world somewhere, stop that. But there's also a fourth category, and that's the category of things that are not urgent and not important. Want some examples? TikTok. TikTok, okay, there, I said it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Not important, not urgent. (laughs) But how many of us have discovered how easy it is to just all of a sudden go, wow, wow, where did that hour and a half go? It went down the drain with an hour and a half of stupid, silly videos, right? And and guess what? What I know that when 10 years goes by, I'm not going to look back and go, man, I'm so glad for all of the silly, stupid videos I watched. They changed my life. I doubt it. And, and so I'm, I'm asking God for the grace to, to have the discipline to deal with that addiction, And it's an addiction. The brain chemistry doesn't lie. Those apps are designed, full stop, designed to keep us addicted to a nonstop, low-level supply of dopamine that gives us nothing in return but a wasted life. God give us the strength. I mean, we we prayed it, right? Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We've got uh, four categories, and this is helpful. I do believe that this is a helpful matrix, I mean, to begin to think about what matters. I, I would say take a picture of it real quick before they take it down. <laughs> it's, a, it's a helpful way to think about how to make time for what matters so that you can make the most of your life. And maybe for somebody right now, you have to evaluate category two, And ask yourself, are there some things that I should be putting in category two that I've been giving so much time to to category four stuff? 
when there's category two life I need to be living. Maybe ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you now. Because there's a book that's not going to be written if you don't. There's a son or a daughter that's not going to be nurtured correctly if you don't. There's a marriage that's going to have a harder time to stay together if you don't. I don't mean to, to say this in a threatening way, but I do think that from time to time, we got to take to heart the prayer in the word of God found in Psalm 39, verse 4. Okay, listen to this one. Psalm 39, verse 4. And if you have the courage, maybe you can say it with me. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Start again. Say it. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. Yes, I pray, teach me to number my days, but now also remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Yesterday morning, I, I, I went to the England family mortuary for a, a funeral that, that I was officiating at the, the beginning and uh, walked into the, the, the chapel and looked at the front and saw the open casket. And there's... There's something about that kind of a moment that always hits deep. E even if that's something that, uh, that you're familiar with. But I was there early and I walked up to the front, which is what I would usually do, and just looked at this guy. Whose you know, niece has been part of our church, but he hadn't been. Just looked at this, at this, this body and placed my hand on the, on the casket. It's a custom of mine to bless in that moment the person whose life we're about to celebrate but who's no longer there. And he, he's younger than me. And nobody was expecting this. There was no warning. There was no long-term illness to allow anyone to get their heart ready. There was, it was just, it, it, one moment there was a family having in and out together. And, and the next morning there's a father missing, you know. And, and moments like that really have a way of riveting your soul and, and do cause you to begin to think about what am I putting first and is it what I should be putting first? Does it have the value that I'm giving it? And it's the right thing to do to ask that question. And if we're followers of Jesus, Jesus takes this to another level because Jesus invites you and me to recognize that if we are going to make room for what matters to make the most of our lives, Jesus answers the question of what matters most in this way. He's talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 6, and they're, they're ta talking about all the things they got to do and make happen in this life, all the things they're worried about and using their time running after. And Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 31, these words. Jesus says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is inviting you and I to recognize that if we are going to embrace this notion of making room for what matters, to make the most of our lives, that what matters more than anything is the experience of the kingdom of God. Hey, listen, he says it. Seek first the kingdom of God, his kingdom. And the kingdom of God is, is not about some kind of a castle surrounded by a moat with a drawbridge up on a hill of heaven somewhere. The, the kingdom of God is about the right here, right now, up close reality of God's active presence, about God with his peace coming up close to you, God with his comfort surrounding you, God with his revelation and strength coming near you, God with his goodness and unfailing love surrounding you, God with his shielding, persevering goodness coming up close to you. This is the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, look, if you want to make room for what matters, what matters more than anything is that, the kingdom of God. Seek first, Jesus said, first, first. Someone say first. 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added. Jesus is saying there is a pecking order. Jesus is saying you should actually make a determination about what is worthy of your attention and what should not get so much of it. Jesus really is inviting us uh, to put this, this kingdom of his first. I'm, I'm saying to you today, the main idea of this message, right, is make room for what matters to make the most of your life. And I'm saying this because I believe Jesus meant it when he said that he had come, that we would have life to the full. But at the same time, Jesus also as he invites us into an experience of the kingdom of God, has this crazy upside-down notion that really the way that we're going to make the most of our lives is by losing them and laying them down. So when we pursue the kingdom of God, we enter into the reality of, of God's way. And God's way calls for us to be people who would be willing to take all of this that we're holding so much onto to try to get more of, to lay it down. Jesus puts it like this. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 24. He says this. It says, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Keep that up on the screen. Don't take it down. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but for whoever loses their life for me will find it. Say it with me. Say it. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Say it again. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I want you to find it. But what, what I hear Jesus saying is, yeah, but the kingdom way you get there is by laying it down. It's by willingness to lose it. R really, these words of Jesus where he says, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he's got to deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And if anyone would find their life, they need to lose it for me. I think what Jesus is doing is he's pushing against, pushing against every worldly notion of how we're going to make something happen for ourselves. I think Jesus in this moment is pushing against every cultural convention that would say, come on, get more, get yours, get it now. Can you hear him? Can you hear him just saying, there's something so much higher and better. There's something so much higher and better. And when Jesus says this, if anyone would be my disciple, they must deny themselves and pick up their cross and follow me. And anyone who wants to gain their life is going to lose it. But whoever is willing to lose it for me will gain it. I think Jesus is challenging two primary factors that need to be present in our lives. Two, two things. One of these is right priority. And the other of these is right-sized faith. So the first, right priority. Jesus says, you going to follow me? you got to be ready to deny yourself. Wait a minute, hold on. I thought I was going to get a bigger, better deal right now. Jesus is pushing against the priority. Will you, can you come to a place in your life where you could possibly say, Jesus, you are first. Jesus, you are first. Jesus, you're first in my thinking. Jesus, you're first in my relationships. Jesus, you're first in my money and my stuff. Jesus, you're first in my plans. Jesus, you're first in my ambitions. Jesus, you're first in my dreams. Jesus, you're first in everything that pertains to me. Jesus, you are first. Can you say it? Jesus, you are first. Can you say it? Jesus, you are first. But more important, can you live it? Can I live it? 
I think it's maybe one of the biggest challenges there could be. But he does invite us into it. And so there's this push. Do we have right priorities where we can truly say, Jesus, you're first? And then do we have right-sized faith? Because he also did say, and whoever loses their life for me will find it. Do we have right-sized faith by which we could actually take him at his word and believe him that out of his goodness, he would actually do that? That he would actually allow us as we press into his kingdom and be willing to increasingly lay down our lives, that he would allow us then to find it. Do you believe that he's that good? Do you believe that he might be that faithful to you that this upside down paradox of the kingdom of God, you would find it to be true that as you lay your life down before Jesus, that he pours in his faithfulness and his goodness and his love in such a measure that you look back and you go, I have found everything and I'm full and I'm satisfied and I've found the treasure and I am I am in love with the Lord of Lords and I'm willing to lay my life down more and more. Yeah, this is what, what we're living into. And when we put him first, we are going to find that he's faithful. And he's faithful. He's faithful. It's what his word says. Matthew 6, I'll go back there again. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, I want to say it again. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Say it with me. Say it. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. All these things that are, you know, just desires in the back of your heart somewhere. He's not against you experiencing his blessing. In fact, the Bible I read shows me a lavishly loving father that has good desires for his sons and daughters, which includes the desire to bring blessing in the right order. First his kingdom, and then his kingdom blessings. All these things that, that you're kind of concerned about, like, how am I going to pay my bills? All these things that you're worked up about. Like, I got these debts to deal with. All these things that we need to, we need to make this happen for the family. All these things that, that have their place and have their importance. Do you believe him that he'd be good enough to come through faithfully for you with all these things? Do you believe that he's actually true to his word and that if he made a promise like that, that he's going to deliver on it? And that in all of these things where, where you have something that you have a need of, that he would be gracious and good enough to supply it in full measure. Do you believe him for that? All these things, it said all these things would be given to you as well. I'm grateful for those three words, all these things, because I got a lot of all these things. That I'm, that I'm needing, that I'm hoping for, right? Anyone else? But let me ask you this question. How many of you, have you ever seen this happen in your life where you pursued the kingdom of God first and then God did it? Where he added all these things unto you? If, you've, if he's done that for you, would you raise your hand? Keep it up for a second. Like just, you've experienced it. You've pursued the kingdom of God and he went, whoosh, all these things, Right? Okay, let me ask you this. How many of you have seen that happen this week? Like you literally this week, you're like, I saw it, God, and I had all these things. But then he, he, all these things were added to me. All these things. Keep your hand up if that was you. This week, this week. Okay, I got to ask this question. I want to <laughs> see if somebody could just, if I could put somebody on the spot for a moment. Oh, Larissa, you were in the front row. Quick before you moved to Texas. Tell me, how did you see him faithfully add all these things? That's just it. Um, everything's just coming together as we pray. The money, the resources, everything's mm. just flowing in. So it's all, it's all him. We couldn't do it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. All these things. Who else? I saw a hand up. Uh, where, where did Somebody was over here. I thought, Will, Will, Will. All these things added unto you. How have you experienced him doing that for you? Um, so uh, we helped my in-laws move into their new place yesterday, and it was rough, and it was hard. And I want to shout out to Eric uh, Van Vliet, who helped us, and Rob, and all the guys who helped us. It was amazing. Um, but on the way home, we were sore, we were tired, and our apartment complex has not fixed the jacuzzi in months. It's been like a year. Champagne problems. <laughs> no kidding. So anyways, so we're driving home, and God had already provided uh, quite an awesome thing for my wife. And I was like... 
God, you gave you gave Nicole that for us sacrificing and helping her parents. God, I just pray that you would just make the jacuzzi. <laughs> like, this is a joke. We didn't even expect it. We get home, we go to the pool, and we're talking with the person. They're like, oh, yeah, the jacuzzi was totally fixed. Come on. Come on. All these things, right? All these. Somebody's like praising for the jacuzzi. All these things. I just want us to get in the habit of recognizing it. Like, I know that there's so many hands. We could, many of us bring a testimony, but we should bring the testimony. Like when we've seen God come through in ways that have changed our lives, in ways that have blessed us, in ways that have demonstrated his faithfulness to his word, we should say so. We should say so. All these things. We used to sing a song, some of us, back in the day. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah, okay, that's good, that's good, that's good, sorry. I just got, that's just one of those, but we, for, for any of us who have been around the block a couple of decades and did used to sing that song, now can you look back two, three decades later and just say, wow, God. Just say it to him, wow, God. Because didn't he do it? Didn't he do it for somebody? In the long arc of time in your life, hadn't you seen him do it for you? Don't you remember the time when you were over here crying because everything looked so bleak, but haven't you seen him come through? You sought him, you sought his kingdom, you sought his presence, and now you look back 20 years later and you go, what was I even worried about? Because he was faithful to you. Now, for somebody else, you're right on the front side of this journey. And I want you to hear these testimonies as just one more way that you should be motivated to believe him, to be good to you, to demonstrate his kingdom goodness for you in your life. Okay, so seek first the kingdom of God. Let's put that verse back up there, verse 33. Why don't you say it with me instead of saying it. Ready, go. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So, so back to the renovation of my son's bedroom. Okay, so, so I submitted the plans to the city, and they told me it was going to be 15 or 20 days before I would get, get the answer. And then we did a trip, so added even more time, but... Thankfully, uh, last week I got the email from the city saying, hey, your plans have been approved. Which is proof to me that there really are miracles in this world. Because you should have seen my plans, right? Or it's proof that just our city is awesome. Anyway, I got the the plans approved, pulled a a very real and very expensive permit. And and then so we, we got to work. Father and son time to get the work done. And so it looked like this before to remind you, kind of just a big old wall up there, or missing rather, and then we turned that and put the wall there, got the studs in, rough construction done, ready for inspection number one, and I'm pretty proud of the work, and uh, anyone who's a contractor is like, what, that takes 10 minutes, but not, not for us, it didn't. <laughs> anyway, so the wall was up, but the most important moment, after we, we built the wall on the ground and then tilted it up, before we could nail it in, the first thing I had to do is this, put that level against it, and, and, and zooming in, you'll see... We got it perfectly level, and then we nailed it in. Once we determined it's plumb, it's level, then we could nail it in. First, we had to make sure it was plumb, it was level. First, that had to come first. Now after that, now we can put the drywall up there, and we can do the texture, and we can paint it, and we can hang art on it, and it's, it's going to go, it's going to be good, it's going to look great. But it wouldn't have if it, if it wouldn't have been level first. When you seek first the kingdom of God, it is, in a sense, an opportunity for you to make sure that, that your life is plumb, that it's level. And if you set first the kingdom of God, seek first the kingdom of God, you're setting your life level with the king of kings and with the Lord of lords. And then what you build from there is going to go well. It's going to look Good, but you've got to make sure you are setting that level plumb line first with the kingdom of God. This is, this is life. And life is made up of moments. And moments either have more value or less value. And so what we're doing today, we're saying, God, help me to see the value in the moments. And I want to make room for what matters so I can make the most of my life. 
I make room for what matters. So I make the most of my life. Why don't you say that declaration now with me? I make room for what matters to make the most of my life. Seeking first God's kingdom. Seeking first the king of the kingdom. You know, in Revelation, towards the end of the book of Revelation, there's this moment. And actually this, it, it happens a couple times in Revelation and in the prophet Isaiah. There's this moment where God speaks and says, in case you were wondering about what matters most, let me tell you who I am. And in Revelation 22, 13, Jesus speaks and he says this. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Let me say this again. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. He literally says, this is who I am. You want to talk about first? It's me. And I welcome you to receive me for who I am first. So believer, I'm telling you today, reorder your life with Jesus first. I'm telling you, somebody, you're a guest online with us or on the patio or in this room, I want to invite you to put Jesus first in your life as your Savior, as your Lord. Because what comes next in Revelation 22 is this. Jesus says after saying that about himself, he says in verse 14, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Broadly speaking, Jesus is referencing the opportunity to experience heaven one day. And, it, and it's given to those who have washed their robes, so to speak. And there's a way to be washed, like the sin, the shame, the guilt can be washed off. And as much as I want to make the most of the life here and now, there's a life for all eternity that matters even more. And we don't want to make so much of this life and making the most of this life that we miss the point of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is that we would have life for all eternity. When he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he really meant it. Jesus said that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to then take you to be with me where I am. And as painful as that is for those of us who remain uh, on this side of eternity, for, for all of us, there's a hope for all eternity of dwelling with him forever. And that comes through the washed robes, the being washed by what Jesus Christ has done. So for somebody who's here today, and this is all kind of new for you, the guilt and the shame that you've wrestled with can be washed away by Jesus Christ and his perfect sacrifice on the cross. But there's got to be a moment of responding to it, responding to him with a yes, responding to him with a you're first in my life from here on out. And so I'd like us to take a moment and pray together. And for some of us who are believers, this is a reset moment where we're resetting with Jesus first in our lives. For others of us, maybe this is a spiritual wake-up moment where once and for all we're going to cross the line and say yes to Jesus. But would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us an opportunity in this moment to recognize that while there's a time for everything, not everything deserves the same amount of time because not everything has the same value. God, I pray that where we have messed up our, 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 our thought about what's valuable, what we should give ourselves to, God, would you heal us of addiction to technological impulses? Really, I'm asking that you'd, you'd heal us of an addiction uh, to, to meaningless things. Heal us, God. Heal us, God. Somebody right now, you literally need to pray this with me because it, it's true. You need to ask God to heal you of, of an addiction to technological impulses. It's not his highest and best and you know it. Would you just pray with me? God, would you heal me? God, would you heal me? Say it with me. God, would you heal me? Heal my brain. Heal my 
physiological brain from where I've become addicted to the device and all of the notifications and all of the meaninglessness. Heal me. Maybe you could just ask him, God, would you defragment my brain right now? Like just get rid of all of the messed up neural pathways that are so stuck on reaching for that device all the time. Heal us, God. Heal us. Heal us so that we can put you first more, more and more. Yeah. And Lord, I pray also that in this moment for, for somebody that there would be uh, a wake up right now spiritually. While we're praying together, uh, you, you've joined online or you're on the patio or you're sitting here and you're wondering, how, could, how can I be right with God? The way to be right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ who paid the ultimate price for you so that you could be forgiven. That was what the cross is about. Jesus Christ who conquered death and the grave so that you could really live. And if you've never actually said yes to Jesus, it's time to go beyond just coming to church and come to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sin and save your life and ask him to be first in your life from here on out. While we're praying together, if you're sitting here and you would say, I need to do that. I need to ask Jesus to forgive my sin and save my life. I want to know that I'm right with God. I want to be saved. I want to know that for all eternity, I will enjoy life eternal. If that's you, if you would say, I need this. I need to say yes to Jesus once and for all and be right with God. Right now, I want you to raise your hand with me. Just raise it right now as a way of saying, I'm saying yes to Jesus. And keep it up right here in, in the middle on my right. That's great. And if there's anyone else on the far right over here in the middle, thank you. Uh, in the back, thank you. If there's anyone out on the patio, we've got a team out there as well. If you're online, I want you to uh, raise your hand this way by typing into the comments, I want to give my life to Jesus. And now those who raised a hand or you're typing that out, would you just pray for a moment? And praying is you just talking to God and you say something like this. You say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Everything starts there. So maybe you say that with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it with me. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. One more time, say it. Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And I turn from my sin and I repent. And I turn to you, Jesus. And I ask you to forgive my sin and save my life. Say that to him. I ask you to forgive my sin and save my life. Jesus, I'm asking you to come and be first in my life as Lord and Savior from here on out. Just say it to him. Jesus, from here on out. You're first in my life. Thank you for this gift of forgiveness of sins. I receive it now. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. I'm yours from this moment on. Thank you for new life. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Why don't you celebrate for a moment new life in this place. Celebrate. Celebrate God's goodness. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's stand up together. Thank you, Lord, for being here while we've been gathering. Thank you, God, that in your goodness, you've been meeting with us even while we've been meeting with you. And God, I pray that right now, if there's anything else that you desire to do, that you would do it, that you would move by your spirit in any way that we need your touch. Holy Spirit, move as you want to. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, thank you for moving even now in this moment. I sense this while we're praying right now. That, that the word I hear, like it's a word from heaven, is I'm ready to download solutions. And so, and so I, I, I want us to not run for the doors because for somebody, like, this is what you need. Like I sense that that's what God is saying. I'm ready to download solutions. So I want us to take one minute to just dwell and linger in the presence of God because for somebody, this is the time the download is coming, the solution. So, so, so just bear with me for one minute, take a deep breath, maybe close your eyes and let out a good old sigh, be in God's presence for a second. Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, would you speak to us? One thing I sense that God is saying is the solution this time is not going to come by your solitary effort. The solution this time 
is not going to come by you being alone. The solution this time is not going to come by yourself. But the solution is going to come through community. I do believe that's a word from the Spirit for somebody. So Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray, God, that you would allow uh, for those of us for whom that is the word, faith to receive it. And then to take a next step to come into alignment with that word. Speak to us, Lord. Anything else that we need to hear from you before we go, God, speak to us. That we could receive everything that you have for us. I hear this. I feel like I hear God saying, it's time for a deeper dive, daughter. Mm. It's time for a deeper dive, daughter. Yeah, it's time for a deeper dive. You've been skimming across the surface long enough. And it's time for a deeper dive. Deeper into time with me, says the Lord. Deeper into experience of what I say in my word, says the Lord. Deeper into a flow of my spirit, says the Lord. It's time for a deeper dive, sister. Yeah, thank you, Lord. What else? Holy Spirit, anything else you have for us? I pray, God, you would move by your spirit that we could receive it now. Okay, so this phrase, I I feel like I hear God saying, I've already given you the ammunition. It's time to start firing. Somebody don't get too excited about that. But it's like God is saying, I've already given you the ammunition. It's time to start firing. It's time to start taking the action. It's time to start moving towards it. It's time to start doing what you've been dreaming about. I've given you the ammunition. It's time to start firing Okay, so thank you, Lord, for just speaking to us in this moment. I pray, Father, that as we open up the altars at the end of this time together, Lord, that you would meet some of us with healing up at the altar while our prayer team prays. God, that there would be healing that would break out. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. And we're going to sing out together, this is what it's like. This is the kingdom of God experience right here, right now. So just sing.